Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Will to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Will Jenkins, joined by my co-host, Trent Marsh. Before we get into it, as always, uh, I want to make that shameless plug and ask you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can actually inter- also interact with us through those reviews, or you can follow along at the Will to Hunt on all social platforms and continue the conversation there. So this is episode three, and we're going to talk truck stuff today. Uh Pretty much any outdoor adventure usually starts with a truck or at least an SUV, but today we're going to focus on on trucks and kind of talk through a few topics. Um, the theme being that stock trucks can kind of do a lot and there isn't a ton you need to do to improve performance really because they come out of the factory with with most of the stuff that you need to get outdoors and do cool stuff and not get stuck too terribly bad. Um, Trent, what kind of truck are you driving these days? Uh, I, I, uh, 2017 Toyota Tundra, the, with the TRD package SR5. So just kind of the, the middle of the road trim package. It's got the, that iForce 5.7 in it that, uh, is, it's a, a good all around truck. It's the crew max on those Tundras. If you haven't seen one, it's a, it's a living room on wheels. Yeah. Four wheel <laughs> drive. Uh, it's pretty nice. Yeah. That's, uh, your truck has three liters on mine. <laughs> I have a I have a 2017 F150 XLT and it has the 2.7 liter EcoBoost which seems weird but it it's a great tiny engine. I don't have any complaints about it. Um I also have the the Super Crew, the big cab and that's a buddy of mine who off-roads and does a lot of stuff in like a Tacoma that costs more than my F150 and he complains about the space in it. And I was like, my actual quote was that it's like off-roading in the living room when I've taken my truck off road. Cause it's like, I can spread out. I've got people in their dogs, you know, whatever is in the cab. It's, you know, there's plenty more in the bed, but the cab's so huge. Um, But yeah, it's the full size trucks now, especially the way I've not been in a current model Tundra to know the backseat very well, but I just helped a buddy move. He runs a um, a cornhole league and with the seats up in the back in the flat floor pan in the F-150, we, we fit, we fit enough between the bed and the cab. We fit 20 cornhole boards, five scoring towers, drink holders, and some other thing that he bought from this woodworker and it, we still had room to spare in the cab um i mean the most of the boards were in the bed but all that other stuff was crammed in the back seat and we could have carried plenty more so it's it's a nice little feature in there for yeah, sure i use one of those the plano like the snap trunk gear lockers um, yeah i i use one of those for all my hunting gear in the fall and when the when the seats are folded up in the back seat like i could almost fit two of those side by side yeah like it's, yep. it's massive. I taking dog, moving dogs around, you know, we, we've since had to put the golden down. We had a, a 90 pound golden retriever and a, a 115 pound Rottweiler. And there's still room for a Shetland pony in the backseat. And they're both <laughs> in there. Like it, it's the space is awesome. Like, like truthfully and that, I, I love that Tundra. I mean, absolutely. I've, I growing up, I was always a Chevy guy um, and just some of the configurations and some of those changes. Mm-hmm. And when we went and, you know, when we were looking for trucks this last time around and went the Tundra route, um, 
you know, if I've got a complaint, if you're going to make me complain about something that, that iForce Motor, when it first came out, really kind of wrecked everybody else's 5.7 platform. Like it just outdid yeah. all of them, but it hasn't been touched for about a decade. Um, yeah. So yeah. my fuel economy, not great. <laughs> but the flip side of it is I don't buy a truck for fuel economy. Like that, right. that's just yeah. my, I'm, I'm pulling a boat or I'm hunting, you know, sometimes I'm pulling, you know, like a, a tractor or something on a, on a trailer. I don't, the difference to me in a truck between getting 16 miles to the gallon, which is about what I get just tooling around, you know, short, short hauls. I've gone as high as 22 on the highway or to getting 22 when I'm just kind of knocking around here doing that kind of stuff like that, that doesn't factor in. I would much rather have the power that I have and the performance yeah. that I have in that, in that five, seven, that maybe doesn't have great fuel efficiency because that's not why I have a truck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I well, I'm a fuel efficient a... vehicle, I'll go drive the Highlander, which is also Toyota <laughs> that we also love. Um, you know, and we get 25 to 28 miles over the highway with that. So no, we're not going to yeah. take the Tundra on vacation. We'll take the Highlander. Meanwhile, right. if I need to pull away with a house, I'll put it for <laughs> low and know that I can. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm almost the opposite. Like I went for, yeah, I kind of wanted the three and a half liter EcoBoost, but I was fine with the 2.7 liter and I, I don't tow anything. I don't have anything to tow any need to tow anything at this point. Um, and it is our family vehicle slash road trip machine for mm -hmm. our family. My wife's car is a mini countryman and we have three kids and a giant dog. <laughs> so it, we're not piling. We, we have fit all five of us and Odin in the mini, but it's, it's not fun for very long. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's kind of the same deal. The back seat of that F-150, I can fold it up and fit Odin's Gunner Intermediate Kennel in the back. And that thing's a monster mm -hmm. and it fits perfect and it makes it easy because, you know, I'm driving around hunting birds. I don't know. I think the coldest day was like negative eight and I don't really want him in the bed. You know, he's a right. He's spoiled. He works hard. He can stay in the cab. Um, so, yeah, I like that extra space. But kind of to, to move on, one of our topics is that uh, we talked about that trucks off the line now are, are pretty, uh, pretty capable. Um, there's a lot of stuff and a, a writer I like reading, his name's Wes Seiler. Um, we don't necessarily agree on everything, but I like his style and his approach to stuff. And he kind of talks about some of the numbers that don't really matter. And what matters is approach, breakover and departure angle, less about ground clearance and stuff. And um, I think that's a pretty uh, spot on take, but really what you need for any stock truck to be better is just whatever the biggest tire is that you can fit in there without rubbing on stuff. Right. Maybe some better underbody protection. Like my truck is the XLT. It's not the FX four. So the underbody is that like carpety fiber board. And it actually right. does a pretty good job. Cause I ran into some stuff <laughs> and it pushed into it, but it didn't break it. So it, it's not terrible, but you know, it, I can't do that too many more times or it's just going to shred. Right. Um, and then maybe a leveling kit and, and not the blocks, not just chunks of plastic in your suspension, the actual, um, it's basically a height adjustable coilover package. Like uh, Bill Steen makes one Fox makes one, um, and not stressing it out to the highest one, but just getting a little extra room for that slightly bigger tire. And I think that's really, I mean, you can go all out, but it's the point of diminishing return. You ruin all fuel efficiency, ride comfort, 
all that stuff when you you fart with it and put giant lift kits on them well and i i've i've had this conversation um you know a couple different sources that i went to just just to see you know what's what are the the performance options because i you know i i bought this truck new and i'm i'm basically going to drive it till the wheels fall off so yeah. you know if is is there some performance tuning that can be done to it and even even just a handful of years ago you know 10 years ago there were you know you could spend a couple hundred dollars and whether it was a chip or whether it was mm-hmm. you know even just the the really simple um tuners that you could get for stuff and and make some pretty significant changes. And then, you know, you go back another couple generations and okay, it was, it was fine to have your, your stock 305, your stock 350, but you were going to put a different cam in it, or you were going to put, yeah. you know, something, there's always something you were going to do. We're just, we're beyond that anymore. The yeah. first of all, the computer controls and stuff anymore, yeah. which makes it, that's a double-edged sword all, all by itself because a, you, you good luck working on your own vehicle anymore right like you can't just let's pull the motor this weekend and put a new top (laughs) end in it just for fun like it's probably not going to go well for you because are you an electrical engineer because you're going to need to be (laughs) even if you can do the the wrench turning portion there there's computer there's computer implications that you're not able to take care of with the changes that you've made but secondarily it's just really not needed anymore like they're literally they're rolling off the line maximized for horsepower fuel efficiency torque like yeah they're already squeezing every drop of performance out of these vehicles way more than they were just 10 years ago but you know go back further than that and you were leaving even the performance vehicles of the 70s and and early 80s were leaving a lot on the table in terms of stuff that you could you could still upgrade and it's just not the case anymore it's truthfully at this point 90 percent of it's cosmetic you want it to look a little bit different but even Mm -hmm. you know even if you're doing a different tire or slightly different suspension unless you're rock crawling or right you know doing something other than okay, I'm, I'm going to pull my boat to the lake and it might, you know, whatever the case may be, or I'm going to drive across this cornfield and get into the woods. Like I'm pretty comfortable. My bone stock tundra is going to get where I need to get and also get back out of it. Yeah. Um, It's there's stuff you can do, but to me, it, it, it mostly ends up being kind of more cosmetic than anything. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit, but kind of next up, um, this is something I, I kind of have all the ingredients just spread out around my truck, but I think you're a little more organized in it. Um, something that is definitely good to keep in the truck, kind of a go bag that's just kind of always there that has the necessities. What are you, what are you throwing in there? And, and this is something, uh, truthfully, this is something I keep in all of my vehicles. My wife's, my mm-hmm. wife's vehicle has one, you know, at the moment we, we don't have a third vehicle. That's just kind of like a knock around, um, you know, run errands or whatever. But even when we did, um, I just, I'm preppers, not the right term. There's a connotation with that anymore, but I suppose there's probably some people that would say I fall into that category, but it's, it's more just, I hate the idea of being unprepared. So I like to keep a small go bag in every vehicle of just some really basic stuff. You know, my, um, my truck has a, I keep a a small toolkit in every vehicle Mm -hmm. because, you never know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then my go bag, I'm keeping, even if it's just a light change of clothes, like 
you get stuck or you have to change a tire, you get filthy or, you know, I've, I've had it happen where I've got a flat tire on the side of the road and Mm -hmm. I was on my way to a job interview. So I'm wearing a suit and I'm not really (laughs) wanting to lay down. And, you know, so it's nice to be able to just have a pair of sweatpants or something that you can change real quick. And, and if you do need to do something like that, so a quick change of clothes, um, gloves and hat, you know, because ideally that happens on a beautiful May afternoon when it's 60 degrees outside, but it never does. It's February and it's minus 12, um, (laughs) flashlight knife, um, emergency candles, like those little tea light candles you can throw in there. They burn for like four hours, you know, just, just, just because waterproof matches. I always like to keep socks and just an extra pair of gym shoes. Again, same Mm -hmm. concept, you know, if, if I'm out there, my wingtips, I would yeah. <laughs> like to be able to swap those out. Um, and then emergency ponchos and paracords, just it's, you may never need any of that stuff, but the one time that you need it, it costs you 15 bucks to have all that stuff <laughs> in a bag under your passenger seat. Right. And you, you did have it then. So well, I mean, and so many of those things, it's like, even if it's not emergent, sometimes just having those things, it just makes it like, especially as silly as it is like paracord, like I have that stuff stuffed in everything, like every toolbox bag, duffel bag, there's a, a substantial amount of paracord because rarely do I do something where it wouldn't be convenient to tie something <laughs> somewhere, right. whether I'm actually stuck or if I'm setting tree stands or, you know, like anything, well, it seems like it, I always need it and I just keep it everywhere. That's the other part too. I mean, we're, we're coming at, like, we're talking about this generically like that. I think that list yeah. kind of applies for anybody, but you know, I think most people listening to us, given, given the audience, they're, right. they're hunters, they're fishermen or whatever, like that, honestly, the times I've had to go into my go bag have more revolved around the fact that I slipped when I was, you know, loading the boat on the trailer and it's either wear wet socks and wet shoes for the 40 minute (laughs) drive home or dig into my bag real quick swap out get like it just it's it's just smart to have not just for your to have in your truck for an emergency but to have as you're out doing things in the outdoors as just a a backup to have things on hand and it's it's too easy to forget about it if you don't just take the time one weekend and say all right here's i got a piece pair of gym shoes that i never use and you know here's here's a a pair of ratty sweats that the the wife has Mm -hmm. wanted me to get out of the house or your husband has wanted you get out of the house because you know whatever they're just trying just throw them in a bag and they're perfect for in a a bad situation as a backup and and you know you're covered Yep, absolutely. And kind of in that uh, same vein of sorts is our kind of our next topic, which is a recovery kit. And I built mine before I took my son Mason out to South Dakota, almost a year ago now, went out to the northwest corner of uh, South Dakota, I'd only had the F-150 for three months at this point. So I didn't have a a solid recovery kit. So I kind of built one. some of the stuff I had, some I had to order. Um, but I'll kind of run through what's in that kit and a fun little story of why I needed it so badly. And I'm so glad I did it. Um, the first thing I keep in there is a toe strap. I don't, I don't use a, like a snatch strap or one of those ones that has like the elastic properties. Cause they scare the hell out of me. Um, I'd rather just have a toe strap. <laughs> um, so I have a toe strap. Um, I have a hitch receiver D shackle. So it's just a, 
it goes into the two inch receiver in the back and it's a D shackle. Um, and I do that because I have tow hooks on the front and on the back, there's nothing but the bumper and the um, hitch receiver. And I've seen plenty of people try to hook to the little uh, hooks on the side of the hitch receiver that are for the chains. And those are for emergency use only not to tow the entire weight of your truck being stuck out because right. it'll bend the hell out of them uh-huh. and ruin your receiver. So I got the D shackle that came in handy when I was stupid this winter and got my stuck, my truck stuck in the snow. Um, I keep an air compressor in there and nothing fancy. I mean, you can spend 800 bucks and get the ARB suitcase twin piston one. I'd love to have that, but it costs more than five times my entire kit. So that'll wait. It's just like a 35 or $40 cigarette lighter plug-in air compressor. And that serves two purposes to fix a flat, but also if you air down to um, go off-road somewhere or you get stuck and you need to air down to get out of it, you can get your tires back up to a, a decent um, pressure. It's not fast, but it'll, it'll do the job. It's a lot faster than walking. <laughs> yeah or going 15 <laughs> miles an hour down the shoulder until right. you find somewhere right um i do keep a flat repair kit in there um, same I, the, I keep a I, I, that's it's in my toolbox i keep a plug kit yeah. in there all the time yeah or you can use slime because most of the time that'll get you where you're going like this the stuff where you just plug it up and roll the tire around to plug the holes but the flat repair kit isn't that much it's more effort but it's it's not that much more and it's permanent it's so it's, and it's like people get intimidated by it like a, one of those no, plug kits is so easy like it, yeah. there's there are fifteen thousand videos on youtube to show you how to use them and it's if you can if you can cut up potatoes on your dinner plate <laughs> you can do a yeah. plug repair kit even yeah. and, even like in the middle of nowhere and there was a uh, a news story recently i forget what uh state park or national forest it was i want to say it was somewhere in the desert southwest and i did a real job good job preparing obviously when i wrote the notes for this i had a lot more detail committed to memory than i do right now there's a couple out west that went just down like desert serve like i'd call them forest service roads but it's kind of a, a a desert area they went out in their subaru to go camping and they ended up getting two flat tires they only had one spare <laughs> and nothing else but they the husband died like oh my they, he died now of exposure laughing yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, so they got stuck out there for like three or four days they made kind of the cardinal sin of being lost and left the vehicle mm-hmm. um they found her alive but you know not in perfect shape and then they found the husband further away he passed away it seems like he had uh gotten a little delirious and i think he fell off of a a, a road edge or something um so it's like it seems silly to put it keep a spare like a flat tire repair kit, but they weren't, you know, fifty miles into the backcountry. They were on a service road, and was it was just too far to walk anywhere. And all they needed was a, a thirty dollar air compressor and a twenty dollar flat repair kit, and they would have been it would have just been an inconvenience, right? Not the end of someone's You'd have lost life. an so, afternoon, not your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, I definitely like having that in there. And then the last bit, I do have traction boards. I'd love to have max tracks, but they're expensive. So I got cheap knockoffs on Amazon and I can see why they're cheap knockoffs, but they're still effective <laughs> enough than having to cut down a bunch of trees or gather enough brush to kind of build something. I keep a collapsible shovel. 
I do have jumper cables. I'd like to add one of those uh, like rechargeable battery based starters, mm-hmm. but jumper cables will have to suffice for now. Well, and a lot of times you can get like they're they're those all in one units anymore, yeah. right? That are the air compressor yep. and the jumper, and yep. sometimes it's an emergency radio slash flashlight slash <laughs> yeah. microwave know, oven. knife sharpener <laughs> microwave oven. Exactly, it's the whole thing. Yeah. So I do have cables. Like I said, I'd like to have the the one that has a battery capacity to it, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, I do have a basic tool set and it's just, it was a gift. It's one of those like mechanic tool sets in the little Mm -hmm. plastic case. It's not going to last forever, but I, it's just there when I need it. I do keep a hatchet in there as well. And, um, and all I have is whatever comes with the truck, that little accordion jack, but I'd like to get a a better one, Um, either a high lift or a bottle or something just to have it in addition um, but that's kind of my little uh, stock recovery kit, and it it absolutely saved me when I I, I buried the truck in the nastiest cow smelling mud in South Dakota. So yeah, I mean I don't I don't have the the like I said I've I've had to use my go bag so that I don't get a soup filthy. Uh, mm-hmm. But but dear Will, how uh, <laughs> how how was it that you came by knowing what you needed to have in your uh... extraction kit? So I'd been out to this area, South Dakota before, and I knew some of the roads were sketchy and we actually fat biked in to hunt in this area. So it was easy to get through. Cause like you find an obstacle, you walk around. Um, but we wanted to cover a lot more ground. So we were going to drive in this time. And luckily I thought I had and bought all this stuff or put together what I had and built this kit before I went. Cause it was me and my son, Mason, he's 14 and we were about 12 miles into this area and it's the slim buttes area of south dakota so i'll I'll divulge that it's a not a huge area and it's in the middle of nowhere so you either know it well or won't care um but you essentially ride along the top of the buttes and it's, it's beautiful out there and we get about probably 12 miles in and we're at the very north end and i'm, I'm i wanted to get to this one spot because i wanted to know if the service road actually connected through or not my guess was no but it was worth trying so we get to this bottom and it's a u-shape so you're coming down a hill it's a 90 degree turn left over a short bottom and a 90 degree turn left up the next hill so there is no carrying speed so we kind of i've seen situations like this on ice road truckers yeah (laughs) yeah it's dirt hole dummy is what this is no, so I get there and we kind of stop and it's like that the surface is that like cracked earth, you know, like mm-hmm. it looks like a dried bed and there had been nothing remotely wet up to this point, no mud whatsoever. So I had no reason to believe it would be basically quicksand. So I, I look at Mason, I'm like, ah, you want to keep going? He's like, yeah, why not? And, and like, I stopped and looked, but I was like, meh, it, it, I, I don't see a reason not to. It doesn't look wet, and but I didn't get out and check either. And of course it's, you know, there's grazing rights on this section of BLM. So there's cattle everywhere. And I didn't think it through because it's like where there's cattle, any bottom is a disgusting slop and it's just been warm enough to crack the surface, but Mm -hmm. I didn't think that far ahead. So I pulled out into it and just immediately sunk up to the frame. (laughs) It was bad. And I just got this terrible look on my face and looked at Mason and just went, Oh no. Um, so I, that's when Mason learned how to drive a truck because I was laying in the nastiest, stinkiest, siltiest 
cow pasture mud you've ever seen digging under the truck. Um, you know, the traction boards come in a set of two and I'm going to buy another set because it inevitably I needed three, <laughs> you, you know, like I, you know, the right. truck has the rear locker so I can get the back wheels going, but in that crap, they just couldn't shove the front end through the mud either. Right. They needed something. So I need to get another set just to have four. Um, but after about a hour of digging and rolling around in mud and yelling at Mason and then apologizing and then yelling at Mason and then apologizing, uh, we finally got it out. And luckily I had a ton of water in the bed and a change of clothes because I didn't want to get that smell in my truck because it would never leave if yeah, I did. It would still be there. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically showered on the tailgate and cleaned up and, and got back in. But the stupid part is there was no way to get out, but to go back through it. Right. <laughs> so I just floored it and, and we made it through that time because I carried tons of momentum and almost obliterated some guy's cow because it wouldn't move. Um, but we got through it and that's when I was like, okay, this will never not be in my truck. And thankfully, because this winter I slid off a shoulder down into a snowdrift and had to traction board my way through it until a guy in a giant lifted excursion showed up and pulled me out in about 20 seconds. <laughs> but yeah, so I, oh, it stays in the truck at all times. Snow's a lot easier. Just, I mean, once you, if you can get anything with momentum, you can get through yeah. snow, like snow's yeah. not the problem, but, and especially like you, you were in South Dakota and, and I've spent a fair amount of time in Eastern Montana, Southern Montana, yep. Northern Wyoming. And, um, if, if you're thinking of going and hunting out there sometime, one mm -hmm. thing you need to understand is a, you need all this stuff in your truck because the, the mud out there is like nothing you have ever encountered. Oh, it's um, disgusting. Eastern Montana, they call it gumbo mud. Um, yeah. because it's, it is absolutely dry 340 days out of the year, but then mm -hmm. there's 25 days out of the year <laughs> that it's a mess. Um, I was, I was in a photo, I was on a photo shoot in, um, southern montana and we were driving along the matitsi trail which mm -hmm. is i mean like i said it's a it's more than a service road but it's not a highway right. and it started we got a wet snow started wet snowing and mm -hmm. we had a tacoma and a jeep like we're in off-road equipped vehicles <laughs> right yeah and we weren't even off the service road and we got with a one of the jeep got stuck in the middle of the service road as yeah. you're telling oh, your I story, it. I just remember, oh yeah, remember that time I had that photo shoot? Yeah, that sucked. We burnt two hours of our day. And again, we're in the middle of a road. Like you shouldn't get stuck in the middle of a road, but it just got right. so slimy and so gummy. And then he got off into a rain rut and good luck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, I, I was super glad to have that kit because it would have been the nearest ranch was about seven miles straight line so that's more like a 15 mile hike yeah in 90 some degrees um in in white sandy 90 degrees so it's just everything reflects on you and it's miserable but mm -hmm. yeah so well we're uh we'll wrap it up with one of our traditions here we'll do the uh the parting shot where we well unless trent decides to just do whatever he wants we talk about our pick of whiskey drink. for the for the episode drink 
we're, just, we're, we're we don't discriminate any good drink to share just the parting sip is maybe what it should be <laughs> yeah but you know shot sounds cooler yeah it does so uh my parting shot for this episode and uh it's it's one that i i, I know in talking to folks that a lot of folks haven't tried it's uh it's a george remus uh bourbon whiskey and this is uh, batch number three it's a 93.8 proof um and I'll be honest, this, this bourbon confused the hell out of me. Um, I, you know, I, I don't drink my uh, bourbon with ice. I, I generally prefer to drink it neat. Um, and it was one of the harshest, uh, just a, a really oaky, really harsh, really back of the palate, really, really got to you, very bitey. Um, kind of like some of your sharper rise it had had much mm-hmm. more of that type of a profile than what you would expect from a relatively mild uh bourbon so and i mean it was good it's not like it wasn't a it was a bad flavor just it wasn't it wasn't the flavor profile for how i like to enjoy bourbon um, yeah so on a lark i used it as a mixer let's see what it's like yeah. as a mixer maybe i can hide you know mellow some of that out and every aspect of the profile of the entire bourbon changed by introducing yeah. it into a dark soda. So my recommendation is you go buy some George Remus and you buy a diet A&W root beer and you put it in there and you have the most delicious boozy cream soda you've ever had in your entire life because that harsh oakiness comes out of it completely and mm-hmm. you end up with this really nice subtle vanilla um, and it that that oakiness ends up giving you a backbone that you know there's bourbon in there, mm-hmm. but because of how it's mixing and interacting with everything else, it's it's it hits a lot more of your palate. You're getting into some of that sweet part of your tongue as opposed to just yeah. the, the the very back of your palate. So it, it's really hitting a lot more spots. And it like I said, it really uh, really gives you kind of a really cool cream soda. Um, type of a profile so that's it it's the george remus bourbon whiskey yeah no and i think uh you know i i'm a huge bourbon fan i like it neat most of the time and a lot of people like to poke fun if you mix anything with anything and blah 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 but like that's how i got into bourbon is it was a mixer that i slowly started to enjoy the bourbon part of more and more and more and then just got into drinking it neat you know so mm-hmm. um and there's nothing wrong with a, a nice little cream soda but my parting shot for the week is just going to be weller special reserve so this is kind of the the cheap weller you know there's what probably six or seven different variants that weller puts that out commonly available yeah right um weller special reserve is probably the easiest to find the rest are significantly difficult to find um, but it's 90 proof. It's a weeded recipe. So it's a weeded bourbon. And that's, that's what Weller's known for being supposedly the original weeded bourbon, meaning that this, the, uh, basically the balance of the mash bill is, is wheat. Um, and you know, I, I actually, I was drinking some last night and I was thinking about, it. I'm like, yeah, this needs to be my, uh, my parting shot. It's just good. It's, it's 90 proof. So it's not going to melt your face. Um, it's just easy drinking. It's good neat on ice whatever it's got a little bit of sweetness to it and yeah it's it's one of my go-tos and it's just a it's a nice uh i don't have any fancy mixing notes it's just delicious that's that's all you can ask (laughs) yeah i like i i love bourbon and i get into like all the tasting notes and stuff but at the end of the day 
I don't understand half that stuff. I just know it's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. So awesome. Well, with that, I will wrap it all up for this episode. Again, please subscribe, like, comment, do whatever you can on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on. Um, and feel free to send feedback through social media at the will to hunt, or there's a contact form on the will to hunt.com. Feel free to throw some notes at us. Uh, tell us how bad we're doing. Tell us why our opinions are wrong. And um, eventually we'll address some of that on an episode. So yeah, thanks for listening. See you everybody.